You're listening to the Traffic and Funnel Show. In this episode, Chris and Taylor speak candidly about what it looks like to make your team one of the key tenants that your organization revolves around. As always, if you've got a topic you want to hear more about or get further insight on, email us at podcast at trafficandfunnels.com. Let's get to it. In terms of leadership, putting in clear um, boundaries, putting in very clear guidelines on like, what does the organization revolve around and how do we treat people? That's really, really big. When when you make a decision, does it come from um, does it come from money or does it come from principle? We didn't really have that. It sounds so basic now; it's, it's laughable. We're like, oh yeah, we should have had that. But like, me and me and Brian sat down probably like a month ago. We talked about what it, the organization. What do we revolve the organization around? I've had this conversation with all of our leaders. Two things: clients. And people. It's our team. Clients and team. Clients and team. Clients and team. Well, how much how much of our budget was going to like people development? Nothing? Maybe ten dollars a month or something? Oh well the organization doesn't revolve around it then. You can say it, but it doesn't revolve around it. You know? Wanna get real intense? Yes. <laughs> like we've been at ten. You wanna go to eleven vulnerability, honestly? Let's do it. Um when a client is refunded, is the decision to refund the client based on merit of the client refund, or is it based on the P&L? Ouch. Well, if you're making a decision based on P&L, we don't revolve around clients either. And it was like, you feel these shifts that happen in an organization by what is, like, celebrated. Well, all we're revolving around clients now, like, oh, okay, people feel it, they snap into it. That's what all of us want at the end of the day. Uh, but for a long time, that wasn't, that wasn't what was happening. And that comes back to me and Chris as well. So that would be, those are some like real deal examples. Anything else? Well, we changed the whole leadership team. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. What goes into that? A lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really difficult conversations in being honest with yourself as a leader, but also the person you know, that you're talking to, like really hard conversations. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all the leaders that were here before are not here anymore. And it's the thing that's really difficult that we've had to like work through, maybe me more than Taylor, I don't know. But it's just the emotional connection and caring for people, it's like, it's probably why we waited so long to make these changes, you know, and these moves. But an indicator is especially, something that's a non-negotiable is like, do, do people in your organization thrive under a leader or are they stifled? And you can tell by whether they get bigger or smaller. Do they speak up? Do they feel empowered to voice their concern? How often in meetings do people challenge your ideas as the owner? If they never challenge your ideas, it means they're probably afraid to. Um, you can just tell when people get smaller, they shrink, they have more, their, their response is fear. So I guess my question, I know he talked about leadership and you guys touched briefly on like how to encourage your team to get bigger when they're around you and to challenge some of your ideas. I guess my question is 
What are some of the things that you've changed over the past couple months? And it can be a short answer. I know you'll expound on this later on. What are some of the things that you've changed over the past couple of months to encourage your team to open up around you and to feel more empowered to, to really uh, to be active participants and team players in the creative aspects of the organization? Asking them what they think. That's crazy. Asking them how, you know, how they feel about the organization, what we're doing, where we're going, and being okay with the truth. Um, yeah, and I think responding in a way that is empowering and rewarding of them being honest. Right? So I think just asking is huge. And it just being a conversation versus me talking down to someone or saying, hey, you go do X, Y, Z. But really the best way to, I think, for someone to feel empowered is not that everything is, you know, at the end of the day, I'm the leader, right? And so I've got to make decisions. At the end of the day, it's on me. So sometimes I might, I might need to make the call, but having someone's buy-in on the direction that we're going or what we're doing is really, really huge. You know, if they're a part of the idea and the conversation, at least in my, from what I've experienced, is really beneficial and valuable. Whereas I think it, often it's been just talking down, hey, go do X, Y, Z. And you just miss out on, on the, the massive potential that you have maybe with that person because you hired them for a reason. And if you don't give them the runway to make those calls or decisions or be really involved in the conversation and being okay with them failing to some degree, then the whole organization is going to shrink, right? So it's having that runway open, but also having the guardrails. And I think part of, that's part of what we, we didn't have within the organization. So we had some leaders that <laughs> might not have had that in their department, and so they just like clamped down made all the decisions, everything ran through them, which isn't good, it's not healthy, it doesn't work, you can't scale, it's not, there's no longevity in that, right? So, from my viewpoint. How has your post-mortem process improved or changed through all of this? What questions have you learned to ask yourself better or differently or just like period uh, as you've gone through this and realized where you missed pieces? I mean, my biggest, my biggest thing is what do I want an organization to represent or feel like instead of just how much money does it make and how much money does it keep? Because I think that any of us in here, there's some mindset issues we'd have to tinker with. I'd, I'd, I'd get rid of it. You could go out and you could get to 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year. But knowing what you want it to feel like in the process kind of determines the health of that system. So, and then what do I enjoy personally? Like, where, is, where am I uniquely suited? Have you guys read um, Gino Wickman, Traction? Yeah. Well, I always thought I was an integrator, and my team has ganged up on me and told me that I'm not. And apparently I'm a visionary. I don't know what they're talking about, but. I am both, but when I think about what I actually want to do, I think you kind of find where you need proper talent to backfill you out, get rid of you completely. 
friends, really quick, you have to listen to this. When I started in 2015, I started taking clients as a freelancer. What I didn't know at the time was the things that I was doing were not normal and they worked better than I could have imagined. Within six months, I was clearing $25,000, dollars $40,000 a month as a freelancer. I looked around and people said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, isn't everybody doing this? They said, no, they're not. They're not doing this. What are you doing? We put together a product for you. It's the Freelance to Business Owner Manual. It's a manifesto of sorts. It kind of teaches and breaks down the secrets of going from a you know, small up and down feast or famine freelancer to being a legitimate business builder and growing an organization that is consistent, predictable, safe, and enjoyable. Check it out, trafficandfunnels.com slash business. Trafficandfunnels.com slash business. You can have it. Go there today.